0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the gospel lesson, the conversation that takes place between Nicodemus and Jesus, and especially Jesus' words to Nicodemus, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. I can remember one afternoon that I was playing in my bedroom, and all of a sudden I heard this blood-curdling scream come from my mom. And then there was a pause. And then I heard this shout, Stephen Henry, get out here. And I get out there and I go into the family room where I'd been playing earlier with my G.A. Joes. And I thought I had picked up everything. Well, I picked up most everything except one item. Unfortunately, that one item that came with my training set was this fake snake that was over a foot long, that was ugly and was fat. And my mom had come across it, and that what caused her to scream, and that's why I was in deep trouble now. Needless to say, I never left it out again. <laughs> that reaction to the snake is a common reaction, isn't it? Not too many people like snakes. Most people try to stay away, they're scared, or whatever. And that's why it makes such an interesting comment when our Lord says, compares himself to a serpent. And in doing so, he's telling us that this is an image of comfort. We don't normally think of a snake as an image of comfort. What's going on? That's what we're going to look at today. We're going to see how Jesus leads up to this idea that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. We're going to go over Nicodemus' conversation with Jesus and see that Jesus is constantly trying to call upon him to look upward, to look to God, and to look above. And in so doing, we're reminded that the Lord is calling us to do the same thing. Now, we come to the text today. John introduces it with Nicodemus being a Pharisee coming to Jesus. There's a stark contrast, right? Normally, when we think about the Pharisees coming to Jesus, they're coming in the middle of the day. They're coming with a crowd around with one intention, to trick Jesus, to trap Jesus, to, to, to pull him into a mistake. But Nicodemus is not coming that way. He's coming at night. He's coming by himself. It's clear he's coming not as an adversary, but one that tries to figure things out. In fact, he starts off with a compliment. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. It's interesting how Jesus responds to that. He talks about, speaks to Nicodemus and tells him that he must be born again. In fact, he eventually says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is doing there may be a little bit subtle, but he's drawing upon the compliment that Nicodemus gave him. He says, you're, a, you're one who's come from God. Well, that statement, unless you are born again, that word again, actually can be translated from above. Jesus is picking up on Nicodemus' statement that, that God, that Christ has come from above and he's trying to draw Nicodemus' attention that he must also come from above. You see, he's one of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees look to themselves for their salvation. Their assurance of their salvation is that they are children of Abraham. They have his blood flowing through their veins. And that they're experts on the law. They're relying upon themselves for their salvation. But Jesus is trying again To get them to look upward and saying that it's not enough to look to yourself. That's why he follows up with a statement from Jesus, follows up saying, that which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit is spirit. Nicodemus by his nature is born of flesh. He must be born again, he must be born above, he must be reborn by God himself. He's trying to draw him attention from a security in himself himself. And who he is. These are words we need to hear. Because we can get quite comfortable with who we are. Can we not? We look at ourselves. We're basically good people. Look where we are on a Sunday morning. We're in church. We're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. We read. We pray. We love our family. We love our friends. We come to church. But as we focus on these things, we also can do so be so focused on ourselves that we fail to see who we really are. Because that was the problem with the Pharisees. They failed to recognize who they really are. We may fail to recognize that we are sinners and and see the fullness of our sin. We may take such pride in who we are and what we do that we fail to realize our need to be reborn. And so Jesus continues the conversation and he speaks to, to Nicodemus about the work of the Spirit, but Nicodemus doesn't grasp it. And finally, Jesus says to him, Are you a teacher of the law, and you do not understand these things? As this conversation is proceeding, Jesus is trying to demonstrate to Nicodemus again of his need to be born again. His failure to understand what Jesus was talking about, his failure to understand the things of the Spirit and how the Spirit works and how God's activity was needed, and this this need for, for rebirth is indeed an indication of all the more why he needs it. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and as he relies upon his flesh, he fails to see the things of the Spirit, the things that Jesus was speaking about. And as we see that conversation, we see Nicodemus struggle. Can't we relate? Don't you at times struggle to understand the working of God and the working of the Holy Spirit? Do Do you fully understand or comprehend how the Holy Spirit is at work in you and your need for the Holy Spirit? Do you fully understand the things of God? Think about all those things that we struggle with then the teachings of the scriptures, like the Trinity. Who comprehends that? The idea that, that the Lord could offer his body and blood with the bread and wine as we come forward. The, the whole idea of fully understanding God's grace and his love and how he works in our heart. How could our human mind understand any of that? We need also that spiritual rebirth. We need also the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, it's at this point that Jesus now makes the statement, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And whoever believes in him may have eternal life. As a teacher of the law, Nicodemus would know the event that Jesus is referring to. This event in which a Moses attached a serpent to a pole and put it up. This was a time when God was leading his people from the promised land, or from Egypt to the promised land, through the wilderness, and the people of God had rebelled. They complained about the manna. They were sick of the manna. They wanted to sit there and die. And they rebelled against God. And God, in his anger and wrath, sent fiery serpents among the people who bit the people, and the people started to die. And when the people saw this, they recognized their sin. They cried out to Moses, and they cried out to God. They repented of their sins. And God heard these cries of repentance and he saved his people. But not in the way you would expect. He didn't remove the serpents. They didn't stop biting the people. No, they continued with that. But this time, God put, had Moses put a serpent on a pole in the midst of them. And then when they looked upon that serpent, they would be saved. He had them look at their judgment recognize their sin and at the same time trust God's promise the only reason to look upon that pole is is believing the promise that God attached to it that those who looked upon it would be saved they were saved then by faith they couldn't save themselves they had to look up they had to look to the Lord and as Jesus tells this he's trying to get a point across to Nicodemus Again, Nicodemus, with all the Pharisees, took pride in the, in the nature that they inherited. But keep in mind, who were the people that rebelled? They were children of Abraham. This is what a Nicodemus inherited. A rebellious spirit, a rebellious flesh, a rebellious flesh that needed to be repentant of. Nicodemus needed to understand that he was no better than those in the wilderness, that he also had to repent, and he had to look up, and to look up and, upon, look up and upon the one who was speaking to him, to recognize his sin and that trust this one who has come from God, who is bringing life and salvation to him. Nicodemus wasn't going to be able to save himself. Nicodemus needed to look upon the Lord for his salvation. And that's the way it is for us. We need to look upon the Lord For our salvation. Because the same promise attached to the bronze serpent is attached to Christ. All who look upon him will be saved. It is indeed for absolutely everyone. And so we are to look upon the cross. And that's what we do during this Lenten season. We we look at the cross. And what do we see when you see the cross? You see God's judgment of sin. You see also what you deserve because of your sin. We cannot look at the cross and think, well, that's just for somebody else. We look at the cross and see that that really is for us, what we deserve. And when we do that, how can we not repent? To recognize our sin and repent and realize that our sin is deserving of God's judgment. But also when we look upon the cross where Christ rests, what else do we see? We see the love that God has for us. We see the extent that the Lord would go so that we could be saved. Because in Christ, we see the one who took the penalty for us so that we would be spared that judgment. We look upon the cross in the season to see God's great love for us. And so we see that our salvation isn't something that we can do. It's not something we can bring about. It's something that that God brings about. He focuses our attention on him he brings a recognition to us of our sinfulness and the need to repent he brings us to look upon him and see his life and salvation that he offers and so we live our life not relying upon ourselves but upon him we place our trust in him we turn to him we turn to his word we come to receive his blessings as we do at this table We come and live a life reliant upon him. Again, it's interesting. Nicodemus came to Jesus curious about what he might learn about this person, Jesus. But Jesus sets before him something he wouldn't have expected. Sets him before him as a Pharisee that he is called to repent and look to the Lord. John tells us eventually Nicodemus does. He's there at Jesus' death on the cross, looking upon our Lord and then helping bury him. A confession of faith. And this counter with Jesus is recorded for us so that we also might recognize our own need for rebirth. To see that by the word and by baptism, we are reborn, given new life, and that we're called to live an entire life of repentance, relying upon Him and trusting in Him. And this again, it's the good news that, that Christ brings us about. He brings about your salvation. He brings about your life. He brings about your forgiveness. He brings about your salvation. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guide our hearts and minds in true faith to life everlasting. Amen.